0: Welcome to the Painless Podcast. It's Chris Hartwick from Painless Networking here. Make sure you visit us at www.painless.network for all your painless info. If you're new to the Painless Podcast, welcome aboard. Each episode's all about connecting, and that's connecting with good, interesting people in sports and event marketing. Today's guest is the Big Ten Network's Mike Hall. But before I tell you all about my visit with Mike, Let's acknowledge and thank our sponsor this week. Uncorked Bottles and Barrels is July 13th at Westfield Old Orchard that evening from 5 to 8 p.m., choice tastings from Chicago Distilling and Koval PRP Wines and Chloe Wines, and they're pairing all those delicious beverages with generous food samples from Roca Core, Shake Shack, Nando's, Blaze Pizza, Maggiano's, McCormick & Schmicks, Noodles & Company, Epic Burger, Cinnabon, and more. Now they've just announced Rick Bayless, the big chef, is going to be on hand as well. Hurry up and get your tickets online before they sell out at www.westfieldoldorcharduncorked.eventbrite.com today. That's right. Get on Eventbrite and look up Westfield Old Orchard Uncorked and get those tickets today. Only $30 in advance. It's going to be a great time, but you must be 21 to attend. All right. Fellow Glen Ellen native, Mike Hall. Hey now, second Columbard West Hilltopper podcast after Sean True, third total including myself. Hello, all right. We have fun talking with Mike about dream job, uh, Scott Van Pelt's advice for avoiding sabotage for his first sports center, uh, which new football, a uh, Big Ten football head coach threw him around like a rag doll. Uh, much much more. It's a great time. Follow Mike on Twitter at BTN Mike Hall. The BTN is at Big Ten Network. Recorded June twelfth at BTN Chicago headquarters. Let's get connected with Mike Hall. Hello and welcome to the Painless Podcast today with the Chicago. Let's let's be more accurate. Glenn Ellen native Mike Hall. He's currently seen just about everywhere on uh, BTN Big Ten Network. Welcome to your uh, maiden in the Painless Podcast, Mike. We'll see if we'll have you back again. <laughs> You know, before we before we get into the wayback machine, let's give everybody a little bit of the background. It's hard to believe it's coming up. we were just talking about this before we turned on that that's the 10th anniversary coming up this summer of BTN. But what's your what's your current role? I mean you have a lot of them, but what's your focus right now?
1: Um, so I'll do our mostly our studio work. Uh, so if you're watching a football or a basketball game, uh, the pregame, the halftime the postgame show, I'll do that. Um, we'll do regular weekday studio shows that are more like just a daily talk show, like it's called BTN Live or Football and Beyond. And then in the fall, I host a late night show here every Wednesday evening called Sports Light, which is um, what it sounds like. It's a late night show, um, which is you know like the Soup or a Jimmy Fallon type of show, but with a, a sports angle and a, a Big Ten sports angle in particular.
0: And the first run is on that is Wednesday nights.
1: Yeah, yeah, live Wednesday nights, and then we'll re-air various times Thursdays and Fridays.
0: And how many? Uh, while I'm, while we're on that topic, how many of those do you do? How many episodes are there?
1: As many as they'll let me. But <laughs> right. uh, we basically do one for almost every week of the football season, so it'll be about thirteen or fourteen episodes, depending on again when they want to cancel it.
0: <clears throat> well, they wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> just pulling in the big numbers. All right, so we're gonna come. I want to come back to that, talk a little bit more about that, because that's. Pretty cool the the development of Sportslight and all that, but to to get uh, chronological on everybody here, let's let's jump back into the time machine and you know establish how you got here. Uh, as I mentioned already, you grew up in in uh, western suburbs in Glen Ellen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how did being in a you know fairly small ish. Western suburb uh, did, were sports a big part of the role were you did you play sports through high school?
1: Sure. yeah, I was always good enough to just not make the high school teams. <laughs> there was uh, let's see 18 people on the baseball team and I was the 20th person. Um, so I didn't qu- I wasn't quite good enough to do any of that. Um, but no, I love sports forever. I grew up and uh, wanted to either become an actor or do sports center. Believe it or not, was kind of kind of the two things I wanted to do. And um, when Glenard West, you know, did a great job of training me with theater and with forensics, the speech team, and and stuff like that, and variety shows, and I got to host stuff and do morning announcements there, and all sorts of things that got me into the world of of broadcasting, at least as a high schooler. And that was like the perfect way to realize that I'm going to make my college choice, which was Missouri, because of broadcast journalism. Um, but yeah, uh, sports was definitely... I mean, I, I played forever. I watched forever growing up in the Jordan Bulls era and the Ryan Sandberg, Frank Thomas baseball era. It was, uh, it was, it was, a, it was good a good time, time to be near Chicago, <laughs> It was right? a good
0: time to be growing up. Now, did you... You have a fairly large f- family mm-hmm. around. Were you... You know, were you putting on broadcasts at the dinner table or at the family <laughs> gatherings? Yeah, or? I don't think they
1: would have stood for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, shut up, Mike. Uh, no, I mean, I did more like I would. Um, I, the Glen Ellen News was the local paper that I would uh, volunteer to write stories. Um, so I would cover whether it was uh, literally t-ball games that they would need a two-paragraph story on, or high school games or something like that. We had like a big campaign. When I was in high school, I, I led to try to get the radio station back because there was a long-time radio station at... WGHS, the yeah. Castle the Rocks. And then it went. I think,
0: <laughs> I think it good. was about my year that <laughs> drove that station into the ground. Right, because it went away. I don't know. Well, it was 10 watts and... Uh, uh, so my kids now, every time that subject comes up, talk about the station that nobody listened to, and that was because nobody could listen to it. <laughs> right. But trying to bring it back and doing it on online, like so many schools do these days, is actually a much more economical ah,
1: way. Yeah, that's smart.
0: And right, but I mean that's the whole thing. Like to the Glen Ellen News, you could knock it. Or you could get involved and actually hone your writing ability and right. get better and get reps, right? Exactly. That seems to be the biggest thing, not just in being an athlete, but any job really totally and
1: that's my biggest advice to people whenever i say is like the 10th time you do something it will be better than the first the 100th time it will be better than the 10th and the 1000th time it will be way better than the 100th so like the only way to really get better at this job is to do it do as many various different ways of doing it whether it's writing or broadcasting or radio or tv or or whatever reps is is the that i honestly think that's the biggest reason why I was able to succeed was when I got to ESPN, which I'm going out of order here, but but I was originally doing like three hour shows. And you, if you consider most people when they're 22 are doing two and a half minutes of local yeah. news, it just, there was no option but to get better because you were just working so much.
0: So how did you, you said you picked going to Missouri. Obviously it's a great reputation, great journalism school. How did you pick that? Did you have, you know, somebody you looked up to that went there or, you know, an advisor or somebody that helped push you that way or...
1: You know, when I started deciding that I wanted to go into broadcast journalism, I Missouri was the first place because of their reputation, and then there was still emotional ties to Illinois. My mom and dad and sisters went there. My girlfriend at the time went there. Um, and the funny story is that Missouri, when it comes to broadcast journalism, is a much harder school to get in. You need a higher ACT. You needed a higher GPA. You need better extracurriculars. And I applied to Illinois, Missouri, and I, I one or two other places. But those are the only two I really considered. And when uh, I think I applied around Thanksgiving, and by the first week of December, Missouri, even though it was harder to get into, accepted me in one week. Illinois, I didn't hear anything for mm-hmm. Christmas comes by, New Year's, January, February, nothing from Illinois. In late February, I got a letter from Illinois that says, Congratulations, Mr. Hall, we've accepted you for the second semester. You're oh. waitlisted <laughs> oh, for the geez. first. And it was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's the easier school to get into. And I'm, you know, a legacy multiple times over, like, well, this is a sign, whether it's God or fate or whatever you want to believe in, like, this is clearly a sign you should go to Missouri. And it turned out that obviously was the right thing for me to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It worked out pretty well. So you talk about getting the the reps, then the three hour shows, what were you, so you were doing that at M- Mizzou. So I, when certainly. I was in
1: Missouri, what they, the reason one of the reasons it has such a great reputation is they own the NBC affiliate. So if you go to Syracuse or Northwestern or wherever else, they can do local access stuff. But Missouri, you're literally on NBC. You're holding the peacock when you're doing a report. And your junior year, your second semester, you start reporting... For the 10 o'clock news so you get legitimate real you're a year and a half ahead of everybody else oh, yeah. in the country because you're reporting and if you're good enough you can do special reports as a senior you can get to anchor the morning show the 10 o'clock newscast you can be a weekend anchor your senior year so uh, i was doing those things but then when i got to espn immediately I was put on ESPN News, which was the best thing for me because it was two or three hour shifts every single day, which is how, you know, you do a few months of that and you're, that's, you know, two years worth of experience in just a couple months. Yeah, jammed
0: into just a uh, 12 weeks or something. Yeah. The, so tell us a little bit about that. That dream job mm-hmm. is what, what we're talking about here from ESPN, the first of its kind and I mean, it was reality TV as reality TV was coming into right. existence, and they were going to award the one winner. Right? It wasn't even right. multiple positions. It was the one winner was going to get a one-year contract.
1: Yeah, right? to be a sports center anchor
0: to be on uh, ESPN. Now, what a, a hell of an opportunity! Obviously, now was that something that you know you were dreaming of being a sports center anchor when you heard about it? Were you, you know? Did you think, oh, that's for me, and I'm going to go get it, or, ah, this can't happen. Is there a funny story there? How did you end up getting all the way to even be considered to be on, you know, in the final group of contestants? As
1: a 21-year-old, when it came out, I was nowhere near arrogant enough to think that I could ever (laughs) win that thing. Uh, I had a buddy named Steve who ended up getting into broadcast journalism, and now he's running the sports department at NBC5 Chicago, actually. And it was, like, September of our senior year, and um, a girl named Katie sent me, who I was friends with, sent me an email and their text of it. It was a forward of the Dream Job audition in St. Louis. And she said, this is perfect for you. If you don't do this, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> Which was really funny. But then I was like, you know, again, it's a needle in a haystack. It's, it's not really worth my time. At the end of the day, a different girl named Moral sent me a forwarded email for Dream Job and says, I swear the text said, this is perfect for you. If you don't do this, I will hurt you. And it was again another one of those, like, well, I guess I'm, there's a sign if that's the exact same text from two totally different people. So I got my buddy Steve, and we'd at 6 a.m. just woke up, drove to St. Louis. It was in a bar, and it was like various, you know, sometimes it was trivia questions you answered, and sometimes you had to, you had to write something and read it on camera. And they, they invited three out of our group of 10 to go upstairs, where there was like an elongated um, uh, tryout process, mm-hmm. and Steve and I were in that. And then at the end, they said, we'll call you in three weeks if you made the Chicago regionals. And it was like, well, whatever. I mean, that was a fun thing. We're going to be home by 11 o'clock. We can still, you know, it's a Saturday, and the football. We'll make the football game and go drink in or whatever you know, <laughs> you're know, you going to do. And three weeks went by, and I just get a phone call on, like, a Tuesday night that said, be in Chicago on Thursday or something. And so, OK. And I drove to Chicago, and that was the the Chicago regionals, where I met Stuart Scott for the first time. and. Um, and the, the funny thing is, the only thing they told you to do was, they said, bring two minutes of whatever you want to say why you should be a sports center anchor. And so I figured, well, everybody's going to probably write a, you know, an essay or something. So I was like, i got to do something different. So I was very bad at playing guitar. But I was like, I'm going to play guitar. And it'll show I'm creative or blah, blah, uh-huh. blah. And I was like, I, do, I did improv in college at the time. And I was like, well, I want to show that I can think on my feet. So I'm going to write one minute of a song. And then I'm going to improvise the second minute. And so the, I'm making a short story long here, but I basically, the premise of my song was Pete Rose was coaching a baseball team and they were terrible. And then my suggestion would be, why are they terrible? And then I would improvise about it. So I knew like three chords on a guitar and I played this the night before I had my minute written out. And I asked my mom, I, I'm practicing for her, I say, why are they so terrible? And she says, because they're not very good. And I was like, okay. It's not really, you know, I'm used to improv crowd suggestions where the answer is going to be, they have bowling balls for feet or, or whatever, and they're not very good. And so I tried it, and it didn't work, and I called my Uncle Grant, and I tried it for him, and he was like, because the sun's in their eyes. And I was like, boy, that's not going to work. <laughs> I don't know. And now I'm stressing out, like, am I going to blow this? This is going to be a total bomb at the thing because this isn't an improv audience. This is just ESPN executives. <laughs> but I decided it's too late, so I'm just going to plow through. So I meet Stuart. He's super nice to me for for no reason. He was just really nice to me. And we get to my thing, and I. it turns out, by the way, 35 people, 34 of them wrote an essay. I was the one person who didn't write an essay. And so I got my guitar, and so I I did my thing. And as I'm about to start, Stuart goes, hang on a second. And there's an entire back row of like 25 people of ESPN executives and producers there. (laughs) And Stuart comes out from the darkness, grabs a chair, turns it around A.C. Slater style, and sits down in front of me. And he was like, I want to hear this, man. But it was the best thing ever, because instead of being a faraway audience that was intimidating, there's a guy right there that I can look at and make eye contact with. So I do my minute song, uh, and I brace myself for a bad answer, and I look to everybody, and I say, okay, what is wrong with this baseball team? Why aren't they winning? And Stuart doesn't wait a second. He goes, because they're all addicted to crack. <laughs> and it was exactly what I needed. And I could make a, I made a joke about a crack of a bat being confusing and what was really in the rosin bag on the pitcher's mound. And... And it was perfect, and I crushed it, and and it was all the confidence in the world. And it was, it was just a, a a great, great sign. And anyway, so I made the New York Nationals a month later. Fly to Manhattan. You do a couple things there. I got to interview Barry Sanders. It went really well. And then they say you're you're on the show. We're going to contact you in a couple weeks. Don't tell anybody about it. It'll debut in February. And then you know, and how I'll many remember. did they
0: have on the show? It was like a dozen people. Was the That's final?
1: Right. It was supposed to be ten, and then they they got Wendy's to sponsor. And so they added the Wendy's wild card. So then they bumped oh, it up to 12 people. So, nice. Yeah.
0: And that jettisoned you from, I mean, then you f- you finished school yeah. in May and were on the air.
1: Right. And June 1st was my first day at ESPN in 04, June 1st, 04. And I remember because the show ended in late March, and we had like a round of media stuff. And the next day, I had a big meeting at 8 AM with all these executives. And they said, when do you want to start? And I was like, I have six weeks of college left. <laughs> um, can I graduate, please? <laughs> and they're like, absolutely, we'll make it June 1st. So June 1st, you started like a month of shadowing stuff, where you just go and sit by an anchor, and you watch what they do, and then you take notes. And then uh. um, and as a 22-year-old, I'm like a sponge oh, soaking yeah. all that up. I found out later on that most people are hired when they're in their 30s. They've been broadcasting for a while. They go to like three of those, and they're like, whatever, I got a month off. But I was like going to everything and staying late. And anyways, and so then by the time late June came, I ended up just starting to do some reps. And then getting you do five minutes here, and then you get your first two-hour show, and you're on ESPN News for a while. And then I started doing some sports centers, and and it took off from there.
0: A question I always want to ask, when you're doing it live, somebody doing a live um, TV gig like that, Was it hard to get used to all the chatter in your ear while you're trying to, you know, you're making the call about highlights and then, you know, cutting to either somebody remote or the other anchor? How hard was that? Because to me, my ADD, I don't think I could last (laughs) for 10 seconds. (laughs) Right.
1: Right? Yeah. Well, I will say, like, Dream Job made it out to be, and a lot of people in our profession make it out to be a little more dramatic than it is Mm -hmm. because it makes us look yeah. cooler yeah. than we really are. Um, they're, you know, A good producer knows to only get in your ear when they have to and only at certain times. Now, there are shows that I've done, many, where you are talking and someone is talking to you and someone is, you know, everything's happening at the same time. You're listening to an analyst and a producer at the same time in your ear. And, like, there's a lot of curveballs that happen, especially in live TV. But it's mostly sort of like, if you're forced to do it, you just find a way to do it. So a lot of times I just prioritize. I go, all right, the producer's more important. I'm ignoring what this person's saying for five seconds. Or sometimes the inverse, going, you know what? My producer, I, I don't care what he's saying. I have to hear what this is. Um, <laughs> or you try to just catch every few words. If you're talking and they're talking in your ear, you try to just pick out what sounds like important. And uh, But mostly it's just you, you're on air. So if you screw up, OK, you might as well just fight through it.
0: Well, how do you get I mean, did you, I'm assuming put words in your mouth, but like improv, you did improv in college, you said, and then you actually did some with IO improv and the playground theater here in Chicago, um, up until recently, I I think that that would help a ton of being able to just think on your feet, have the confidence to come up with that case more funny, but on the air, like I'm going to come up with something that's somewhat intelligent, right?
1: Oh yeah. I, I wholeheartedly believe that as much as Missouri was a huge reason why I was prepared to succeed at ESPN. The other biggest reason was improv, because you learn how to deal with something you're not ready to deal with, and how do you handle yourself, and how do you make it seem like you prepared something when you weren't prepared, and how do you deal with someone saying something you didn't expect, and. Which you have all the time, whether it's you know, you'll get a highlight and you're reading a highlight and the shot sheet is wrong and you just got to ad lib yeah. as the play's going, or, or your analyst says something. And anyway, that's why I love Hitler. And you're like, what? You know, you have to listen to everything that, uh, that could possibly come your way. And so improv, whether it was at IO or just stuff I was doing in college, which is more short form stuff, like, yeah, that is a great trainer to, to be ready for live television.
0: How did you. <sighs> you know, you liked to perform, which had to, had to help and, and hone some of that. And then going to the live stuff and asking good questions, that also, as I've learned the hard way here <laughs> with podcasting, that's not easy to do, right. right? How do, you know, what's the way of another thing of advice that you give to somebody that's trying to get into the business or struggling with that or whatever of how you get better at not only the research, but then actually putting it into action.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a long... We could do an entire podcast on just interviewing, and it probably wouldn't be enough time. I, I think the best thing that happened to me was... I Missouri helped a little bit, and just doing it helps a little bit too, but there was a seminar that ESPN gave everybody with a guy named John Sawatsky, who's this fairly well-known Canadian journalist. And he's got some principles, which I found... ESPN basically made it mandatory in like an 18-month span. Everyone who's on air and a lot of producers had to go see one of his seminars. And he gave like a seminar a week for mm. a year and a half or something. You had to go. And I felt like everyone 35 and under soaked it up and was dying to learn. And everyone 35 and over was like, I know what I'm doing, chief. <laughs> so it was a good thing I was there when I was 22. And there's a lot of things that that are easy to take away. Like one is shorter is better. That it's it's easy for us when we're asking a question to just – Think in sort of free form and tell a story about ourselves and put it in our perspective. And before you know it, 45 seconds have gone before you even ask your question when you could probably ask your question in eight seconds. Um, So shorter is better uh, is a big one that I've learned. Leave your opinion out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you have a platform like, for example, a podcast where it's not just interviewing, but you also want to give your opinion. And that's part of the nature of it. For the most part, like when I'm interviewing a coach, nobody cares what I thought, right? They care what he thinks. So if I say, boy, your defense, you know, <laughs> really looks better since you switched Jackson from the point guard to the shooting guard, you know, I think that was your move of the day. Well, who cares what I think? Right. But if you say, why has your defense been better recently? Let the coach say, well, it's because we moved Jackson from point guard to shooting guard and blah, blah, blah. Um, so short question, Or you can
0: follow up with that if he doesn't, if he's not doing a good job of answering your question, Absolutely. you can kind of prop him up. But yeah, let him do the answering. Right?
1: And listening is one of the big things too. Be ready for someone to say, I love Hitler. Be ready for something that you're not prepared. And, and the, the follow-up question can simply be like, did you just say you love Hitler? <laughs> you know, and, and then that's it. And then they get to explain themselves more. Um, but I think those are some of the big things. Along with the other one, the, the way I it was phrased to me was input versus output. Like, Mm -hmm. I've got so many opportunities as a broadcaster to output. I can give my opinion. I can write clever. I can be funny so often in a broadcast. But in an interview, I don't have a big enough ego to make it all about you. Like, make a shorter question. Make it just about that person. If you want to respond when you're done with your analyst or, or off air or something like that, that's great. But for the most part... Let your interview be the time to get input, to get the other person to say something. It's like if you watch, even great people do it, like 60 minutes a lot of the time. If you watch it, they'll go like, and was that when you were the most scared of your life? And they go, that's when I was the most scared of my life. Well, yeah, you just told them the words you wanted them to say. That's not necessarily genuinely how they feel. So if you said, how did you feel when that happened? If they say that was the most scared I've ever been in my life, great. But if they go, you know, it was scary, but I've been through a lot other but the common, like, just decent human being thing is if someone gives you something, you, you take it. And right. so if they say, was that the you most scared you've ever been? You say, yeah, that was yeah. the most scared I've ever been because that's – but it's not really their words. It's not genuine.
0: All right. So when you officially started, as I read from Wikipedia, which, as we talked about, <laughs> isn't uh, totally accurate, but um, – you got enough people messing around with your page,
1: but, but uh, <laughs> so high school buddies. Officially, are for. Yes.
0: Officially starting, uh, uh, the July 20th, 2004, 1am sports center with Linda Cohn. Mm-hmm. Was that the most scared you had been in your life? Yeah. Nice. That
1: boy. It's up there. I mean, it was up there with, you know, the dream job finale and, um, uh, probably my wedding day. Um, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, because, you know, the other funny thing was, like, Scott Van Pel and a couple other anchors gave me some friendly but terrifying warnings of, like, you need to know you're 22, and there are kids here who are 28 and have been here for six years and are dying to get on air and haven't yeah. had it, and they're ticked at you. And and yeah. it's not doesn't matter that it's not your fault. The point is you're the beneficiary of this thing they couldn't be a part of because they were employees here they're going to probably try to screw up your shot sheets. They're going to try to give you bad information. Someone might write something in the teleprompter that isn't supposed to be there to see you screw up. Now, none of that happened. It turned out none of that happened. But that was in the back of my mind, (laughs) along with the fact that there's all sorts of ESPN press releases and media coverage. There were two weeks of commercials that were running. There's a, a funny story where one producer, as I was walking by the pod, so two weeks out, they started running a promo. Mike Halls debut in Sports Center coming up July twentieth or whatever, and it was once a show. Every Sports Center had oh. to have it. Then the week before, it was twice a show. Oh. Every Sports Center had to have it. And one producer said, "Like Mike, you better be good, man. <laughs> right. I'm so tired of running your damn promo."
0: <laughs> that was that was one of my like. You said, you've mentioned, I mean, Stuart Scott was great. I'm assuming Linda Cohn. I've heard nothing but oh, yeah. nice things about her. Was helpful before, during, and after that. Um, Scott Van Pelt. Other people, um, you know, were there... What was other... Any other types of advice, I guess, that any of those folks gave that... You know, it was good to pass on. Sure.
1: I mean, I I was lucky. John Anderson um, still is a good friend of mine. He was a mentor, another Missouri guy. Uh, Matt Weiner I did some broadcasts with before he went to Turner. Um, Bob Lee has been really good Hmm. to me. Uh, We did a couple sports centers together. Um, But in terms of advice, I mean, I really did get a lot of advice from Stuart. Like, even little things, just about, like, the concept of fame and how it can be... Weird and how yeah. you know he told me like you know you're gonna have some level of fame and who knows how much it'll be and who knows how long it'll last but never expect it and always appreciate it when you get it. He was like it will change your life in some ways. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying Crimea River, but it will change your life in certain ways. So just be ready for it and don't let it get to your head. You know he was really good at, at life lessons like that. John Anderson's been really good at sort of like day to day journalism. Types of stuff. I I went to um, him a few times when I was leaving ESPN to come here to BTN for some advice. Um, You know, there's some fact-checking things I would go to him on. Um, Trying to think of like other generic advice that. Oh, you know, one of the things there's no wasn't from one person in particular, but it was from sort of an array of people was the concept of being low maintenance (laughs) that there is a research department at ESPN or BTN, and I could go to them for every research question. I could also take a minute and a half and try to find it myself. And why wouldn't you want to do that? And then that allows your researcher to not be babying you, but to go make something else for the show that could be better if you had that extra 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of, you know, I, I there are some places in the world where the producers have to not only produce the show, but write stuff for the anchors. And like... Unless it's a bizarre situation, I almost never, a producer almost never writes for me. Right. Um, and so things like that are, you know, just be low maintenance. Be able to do as many things as possible on your own and then you'll be better for everybody else because they can focus on their job instead of trying to do yours. Well, right.
0: And I think it's probably, at least I know in my case, the visual piece of it that you actually look it up, then it's burned that much more into your right. memory. You remember to works make better. notes and it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So you then. Were um, one of the primary, one of the first, if not the first names at uh, when ESPNU was launched, and you moved to Charlotte and did that for a couple years. Um, And I'm assuming, again, not to put words in your mouth, but then because of the content that they had and it wasn't as big of a staff, it probably gave you even that much more in terms of reps, right? Oh,
1: yeah. it was. I was the only full-time anchor there oh, really? when we launched, yeah. Huh. We had a great guy named Mike that. Gleason who was down there who mm-hmm. did some uh, part-time stuff and some film, but I was our only full-time guy. And so, yeah, the good and the bad. The bad was I got burned out quickly uh-huh. because I was doing everything. The good thing is it forced me to get better, and we would do, you know, you'd be on air until two or three in the morning and you'd be you know, you'd do four half times in one day and you'd do three fills in between games and then you'd do an hour post game show and there'd be screw ups so you'd have to stay late and do another half hour again live because stuff went wrong and and the next day you're back in at noon and you're gonna be on air till midnight again and blah blah blah. I'm not saying feel bad for me, but no, it was right. it was a, a a lot going on. And to your point, like it made me get better because I had to do more things, different things that stretched my abilities. I started to learn at ESPNU how to not use a teleprompter because there were just so many shows there wasn't time to do writing. And so then <laughs> I had to learn how to improvise a lead-in and make it sound like something that was well-written, hopefully. Um, learn how to read a shot sheet when you don't get it beforehand. At the Sports Center, you would get your shot sheets and you sometimes might have a couple hours to look at the highlight if you wanted to. At ESPN News, it was a little more frantic, but ESPN U was a place where it was really like you're getting 12 shot sheets in the next half hour, and you're not going to know what's on them. So just be ready to <laughs> read it for the first time live, right. and how to make that not sound like you're reading, and how to make it still have character and flavor. And, and
0: how blah, did blah, you, blah. you know, going back, you talk about being low maintenance. How did you then? Did you go back to the producers or researchers i'm assuming there was some dialogue like hey can you give it to me you know when you when you're writing you know don't use these words or You know anything like that? Were you able to coach them, or was it
1: a little bit like on like on shot sheets? I keep saying so. That's like if you're watching a highlight of a a football game, the anchor has a piece of paper, and each piece of paper basically has three plays worth on it. So if you have a long highlight, you might have nine pieces of paper for just that highlight. And it's basically cut into boxes. It'll say the setup, so it's you know first play of the first quarter, and the second box is what happened. You know, Johnson drops back and throws an 80-yard bomb to Phillips, and then the third box tells you the result. So it's like, and with that, Chicago leads seven to nothing. That's what one play would look like. Well, some people put in a lot of statistics when they're making a shot sheet or they put in their own sense of humor or flair to it or or something. Some people don't put anything in, and you kind of do have to find your rhythm of, like, yeah. what is the appropriate way where I need to do the best to deliver what they think the point of the of the highlight is, but they also need to serve me. So I'm not reading a mile of stuff right away. And so, I mean, the general gist I have was give me a statistic if it's interesting, but otherwise just like bare bones. It let Mm. me just give me name and what happens. And then, you know, for example, you don't want to put in Booyah in a shot sheet, because that's not my phrase, that's Stuart's. <laughs> so let me come up with whatever things I want to do in the moment and you just give me the the meat and potatoes of what it is. Yeah, that
0: would be um, that wouldn't be good to <laughs> yeah.
1: have uh, you the being the booyah trying to be this
0: <laughs> booyah junior or something. Right. So so a couple years with ESPNU and then BTN launched. Mm-hmm. And is is the timing just fortuitous? Were you looking to come back? Was it...
1: Both. You know, how did it happen? Both. It was... I had a... When I went to ESPNU, they signed me to a two-year extension. And by the time that was done, like I was saying, I was 25, but I felt 35. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not complaining about the job, but it was... You know, I went on like two dates in two years and, you know... That had nothing
0: to do with the hours. I No, that, that was just the, the face. Right. The face is why the
1: women said no. <laughs> Um, you know but you work odd hours and most people when they're at ESPN they've been in the field for a long time so they are married already Mm -hmm. and they have kids and they don't need to be social whereas like I felt like the oldest 25 year old in the world and I was fine but whenever anyone asked me how I was doing I would be like fine and I was like I think I should be more than fine (laughs) after a while I think you should go through that if you know most people in their jobs a lot of people have a lot tougher jobs than I ever had and I think that's good to know what your limits are and everything but at some point I was like I don't think I want to do this for 30 more years I might as well get out while I'm in my 20s and so what I wanted to do was to stay at ESPN for obvious reasons but get some flexibility and it was a funny you know the guy who was negotiating my deal isn't there anymore but it was very hardline business yes no and I was like I, you know, can I take less money and get more vacation days? And they said, well, we'll give you $10,000 more. And I was like, no, can, <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take a pay cut if we can maybe get another anchor in here so I can get one day a week off. And they said, we'll give you a $15,000 raise. And it was like, I'm not, I'm talking to a wall here. And so it was it was a little hard to to get through and once I realized they I mean they literally kept upping what the raise would be until they said final one and I was like that money will not make me happy like thank you very much but that's not I'm not messing with you I'm looking to find <laughs> a way to to lighten up my load a little bit and when that didn't happen it was like April of 07 and I knew BTN was interested. I knew Comcast Chicago was interested and had an opening, and so I thought, well, I'll just take a flyer that one of those two will work out, which is not good career advice, no, and I, I don't recommend say, it I for anybody. I was
0: figuring you had one of them lined
1: up. No, wow. no. I hadn't even interviewed, but I just had faith that one of them would fall through, and what happened was I spent the rest of April and May in Charlotte. I moved to Chicago, and like for the first three or four weeks living in Chicago. I mean, it was heaven. You're in Chicago in the summer. You don't have a job. I'm 25. I'm surrounded by buddies and everything's great. And I'm doing improv on the side and all this wonderful stuff. And then by the time mid-July came, it was, what did you do, you moron? (laughs) You're not going to have any job. And then I, I ended up doing interviews at BTN and Comcast and, Long story short, both of them offered me within a three hour span. Oh wow. So I was en- ended up able to pick between the two and picked this one and it ended up being the best thing for me. And but yeah, I don't recommend people leaving a job before they have one unless uh, it's like what's the old saying about a monkey in a forest? He never lets go of one branch before he has a firm grasp on another one.
0: Um, I don't know. I've never heard that one
1: before. Well, I used to be a monkey <laughs> and that was my <laughs> former life. And trust me, that's what we do when we swing. So
0: you're a swinger. Mm-hmm. Now now we're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, now at, uh, here at BTN, uh, you, you, we talked about like BTN live football and beyond and basketball and beyond and final drive and finale and the tip off show. I mean, and on and on, and even like the big 10, 10 K or BTN big 10 K mm-hmm. coming up, anchoring that you're getting, you're getting a lot of different stuff, which is good that you've got variety, but, um, um, you know, how do you keep up? flipping around to the different sports, you know, thrown in and kind of have to know who's who from 14 different teams in football right. and those big rosters and and all that. Is that what you're doing right now in this gap in between football and baseball and and basketball?
1: Yeah. I mean, part of what I'm doing right now is is a lot of prep for that show Sportslight, which we do a lot of work in the summer so that there're taped elements that are ready to go in the fall. But to your question, a lot of also what I'm doing is I make big word documents I have a really bad memory it is really? it is a bad industry to have a bad memory <laughs> and I do it's just really hard i'm I'm bad with names I'm bad with faces I'm bad with statistics I mean in the moment I can know something but two days after a football game I can't tell you how many rushing yards some guy had i i, I that night I would know it but I wouldn't remember it the next day really
0: it's it's it, it's strong enough short term that it carries you through a broadcast or right. something and prepping but then it's gone
1: yeah really? and I'm I, I don't know that I'm rare, but like I think a lot of people have a better memory in the industry because it makes their job easier. Right. They don't have to do a lot of the prep work that I have to do. Um so like for example today I did a bunch of stuff for Sportslight and then I spent about two or three hours working on some football prep, just going through statistics that carry over and players that carry over and notes that carry over and I keep detailed notes and then every day when I check in if I need something I know well I can go back to blah 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 and find what it is, which which is, you know, on the one hand, it's good to be at the Big Ten Network because I can keep specific notes on 14 football teams, 14 basketball teams, et cetera. Yeah. Whereas if I was at ESPN, I can't have that for 30 NBA teams, 30 yeah, NFL, true. blah, blah, blah.
0: Right. So in ESPN News is more intimidating, right. really. I wasn't thinking of it that way, but right. you. you
1: and you what you end up doing is, a is bit you end up faking it more when you have to do – every sport, you end up faking it and your job is to make it seem like you're not faking it but being out, I might watch PTI and I love Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser and they've both been great to me, but I'll see them talk about something and I'll be like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about (laughs) but of course not because they chose to have a life and to maybe they don't know college basketball very well right now but they they have to make it sound like they do.
0: Except for Wilbon and his stinking wildcats. He's <laughs> finally got something to be proud of and he won't be quiet about it. You know, at this point, you've been doing this now for, well, Dream Job was 2004, so 13 years. What do you do to... um continue to improve? You know, you got Mark Silverman come over and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, buddy, let's go and watch some tape. Or, you know, how do you do that here to get feedback from other people? Do you have mentors here or outside BTN? You know, what's, what keeps you fresh? What keeps you moving forward?
1: Yeah, there's there's not as much feedback. I, I've learned in the industry, it's really hard to get feedback. Um, a lot of the people who become executives never did the job of being on air mm-hmm. before. They were in various things. They were producers. They were in sales. They were in... Yeah,
0: a lot of them coming from sales side, Totally.
1: Right? So they don't really have great insight. And Mark's really... Our president here, Mark Silverman's really good at, at knowing what his strengths are and what aren't. So I don't get much feedback from him unless it's... Like, it's less of a content but more of a theory. So if we're going to do a sports light... I'll run some ideas past him, and he might be like, let's go a little more edgy, let's go a little less edgy, things like that. But he won't be specifically like, you have a gerund in your sentence that is. No, well, that's
0: probably a blessing, then, I right? Agree. You want that, that you at least you're getting, okay, we're going the right direction. I agree. And he's a smart business person. So to have, well, hey, let's go edgier, especially, you're like, oh, cool, that's Agreed. great. I, I'm not going too far over the line. Yeah. Um, tell us, like, Sportslight, you get to be more of, for lack of a better word, yourself, right? right? It's a little more long form, if you will. That um, How did that come about? Was, where was the genesis of the idea? Were you at the front end of that? And how much have you pushed for different topics and guests? Uh,
1: yeah, we had, I had an idea like three years ago to do something of a variety-type show um, not necessarily like a Flip Wilson variety, but in the concept of like, let's just show personalities yeah. more. And part of the idea was to literally steal what Jimmy Fallon had been doing, which is like playing games. He'll have mm-hmm. three actors on and they'll play catchphrase. And I was like, well, we could have three Wisconsin Badger football players yeah. on and play catchphrase. And and the whole point is, I wanna show their personality. And that's a great way to let people's guard down. And, and so it came from a place of, I think we do a really good job of X's and O's at BTM, but I don't know how great we do at having fun and showing personality. This is a a few years back. And it's funny because it happened to coincide when Mark Silverman sort of felt the same way too. So what began as like a variety show, game night type of idea ended up being pitched to him as that. And like the next day after we had this meeting where he was like, I like it, let's go forward and and see what more we can do. He was like, what if we made it a little more Daily Show-esque and made it a little more comedic and... You know, kind of went for it, which had been very opposite of what I'd been told earlier. <laughs> right. Of in the previous years of of BTN projects we've done, but it was great. And then we ended up, you know, kind of shooting a pilot over the course of six months of gathering ideas, and the pilot was accepted by him and, and said, "Go forth." And and I'm a co executive producer on it, so I do have a lot of creative control oh, wow. over what we end up wanting it to be. That's
0: cool. Yeah, and, it's and, fun, and it's nice too that you don't have to go through this long process. Like you said, a pilot and having this whole multiple rooms full of people weighing right. in and everybody then dumbs it down or strips it out to being vanilla or something. Yeah. Um which is the segment with? Uh, oh, now I'm blanking on. Is it? Is it Tom? Tom Allen from Indiana? Yeah, D- and he <laughs> throws you on the, yeah. on the couch cushions wrestling. So is that a Sports Light segment? That was for Sports Light. <laughs> we
1: were in Indiana about a month ago, and we were taping like five or six segments, which we'll have to air in the fall. And we, uh, through some contacts, found out that he used to be a wrestler. And that he really likes messing around with people, and I'm <laughs> he, very not strong. He appeared
0: to really enjoy messing around with you. Man, he had a little too much fun <laughs> did, with that. He chucked you around like a you know wet rag doll. Yeah,
1: or yeah. No, good research <laughs> on your part because we we had that video and we put it out there right away. I mean, it briefly knocked the wind out of me. <laughs> To have a current Big Ten football coach. And everybody else really
0: enjoying themselves. No one was helping, you me,
1: Chris. <laughs> no, not, not one not person interested. offered a hand. In fact, there's a lot of laughter more than there right. was help.
0: That was yes, that's yeah. that's what I heard in the background. <laughs> yeah. Everybody kinda of pointing and laughing. But but I mean, you have you've posted some pictures. So obviously season two, as you've talked about, that's a, a part of your focus right now. It looks like you've got some, if I look at these, the different tweets and stuff like that, I saw one with Dan Rather, yeah. Boomer Esiason, uh, Jimmy Ro- uh, Jimmy Roberts was yeah. one of them, right? Report, Joe Girardi yeah. makes sense of the, uh, strong ties to Northwestern. What, uh, you know, Again, that sounds really cool. You get to dig in. You get to meet some of these people. How many of those are your ideas or... You know, uh, coming from schools or what? Because it's so, it's I mean it's got to be really enjoyable to be working with some of these guys.
1: Yeah, we're we're trying to do something where there's basically one celebrity Big Ten connected person every show. And last year we had an LA correspondent who sat down with someone famous every week. But we thought it'd be fun if I could do that too. So a lot of these were like us just going, well, if we could get them Yankees manager, of course we should get him since he went to Northwestern. Uh, the the rather was funny because he actually doesn't have any Big Ten ties.
0: I was, was going to ask what, what's the tie.
1: We were going to do Tom. We were going to do Tom Brokaw, and uh, he went to Iowa for a year. And sort of last minute, he canceled. And our we have a contact that's like a talent Booker, and at the last minute, she was like, I mean, he doesn't have Big Ten ties, but he's a college football fan. We can get you Dan Rather, and we're like, of course, we'd take Dan Rather. Let's make it work, even though it's not a mm-hmm. Big Ten connection. So we did the interview and made it about college football and him as a fan and like, I mean, there's some really fun, he was super funny for a guy yeah. in his mid eighties. I couldn't well, believe he's, how quick he he's was.
0: So sh- he's still just sharp as a tack. You, yeah. you see him on Facebook that, I mean, he's, he's fired up right now about yes. what's going on in DC, but he's prolific amount of content, uh, for lack of a better word that he's putting out. So obviously he's still on his uh, game, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, next question is veering off more into personal now we've talked a little bit about you've done improv and some of those things those that's taken a little bit of a back seat because now you're sorry ladies but you're, <laughs> ma- you're married now <laughs>
1: that's true
0: and have a one-year-old son right yeah. and uh, so things have changed a little bit for you you've finally you know your real life age is it caught up to your tv age yeah. is that kind of what you're feeling i mean look at Definitely. the big smile you can't see at home the uh, or wherever you're roaming with the podcast, the big smile on Mike's face. But it seems like things are pretty good in personal life too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, things have been um, things have been good. You know, all the cliches about fatherhood turn out to be very true, um, but uh, almost all in a good way. Uh, and and yeah, there's a you know, you still get you still try hard, and you still. You, in fact, I argue I'm trying harder now than I have in the past. But um, but there is a little bit of that. Like, doesn't matter how crappy your day was or how stressful it was when you know your mm-hmm. kid tries to talk but said gurgle lurgle urgle <laughs> and when you get home and you're like, all right, well, yep, I'm over my bad mood pretty quickly. Right.
0: We were talking about this before we went on too, of that uh, you want to follow Mike on Twitter at BTN Mike Hall. I think there was a picture up there. You ended up sitting uh, your wife's from Lake Forest area or something you're in a dining establishment <laughs> up there and your kids making a bunch of racket and the two guys behind you end up being very cool about it but the two guys behind you were Chris Long and Mark Sanchez Yeah. and so it's a funny follow and a funny picture in there but um bringing that much more balance and it's probably a little bit of you want to you want to end up working smarter i guess
1: but yeah that was really cool kyle long and mark i mean Santos, kyle long yeah i two Chris. bears and they were over i thought they were going to be annoyed by cameron and they kept like making jokes and asking <laughs> about him and talking to him it was, it was it was pretty cool
0: and you know kind of along those lines too with social media that i know that you're you know you're authentic you're you're who you are on social media you're funny and light and don't take things too seriously but also, you know, not what you know willing to state an opinion. I think that's important. And a guy like Kyle Long is perfect for that too. Right. It May get you in a little bit of trouble, but it's who you are. Uh what's next? I mean we're going to we're going to do an, uh, you know another 10 years here at BTN. We're going to take over from Jimmy Kimmel. Uh,
1: <laughs> what's next? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm happy here. I got a couple years left on my deal. Um, you know, it's a great town. It's a really good job. I work with a lot of really good, hardworking people who make me look a lot better than I am. Um, and especially with the Sportslight opportunity, it, the, I'm creatively fulfilled right now. So I've never had a good answer when someone... Uh, very understandably, would ask what's next because I mean, a I had no idea Dream Job would happen. <laughs> B I had no idea ESPN U would happen because it didn't exist. C I had no idea Big Ten Network would happen because it didn't exist before then. But but D like I just I. this is a destination job. So it's in the industry, you're really lucky if you get to be in a major market that happens to be your hometown and have a really good job. So I'm pretty good right now. Right.
0: Well, I mean, you look at you and Dave Dave Revson, both have been here since the beginning, right? There's not a real reason to to leave. It's nice. It's a good atmosphere, kind of a little bit of family here. and, and, uh, And then like you said, I mean, you've got everything else, literally your family's around here. Right. All right. Well, being cognizant of your time and all, I wanted to ask a couple of... Yeah. We're going to put the put your um, BTN hat back on sure. and ask, now you're doing your football research right now, who's going to be the biggest surprise team hmm. in uh, Big Ten football?
1: That's interesting. Well, Penn State can't be a surprise because they won the league last year. Ohio State and Michigan can't be surprises because they're going to be preseason top ten probably. Right. Like they always are. Well, not all. Michigan went through the trough, but they're back. Right. I mean... Can you count Wisconsin as a surprise? I mean, they win ten games every year, but nobody talks about it.
0: No, it's the same thing with them in basketball. That okay, they lose all these guys again, and they're gonna they're not gonna be good, and they change their coach, and they continue to they have a program.
1: Yeah, right? maybe Minnesota is a better answer. P.J. Fleck is the is the head coach. Uh, yeah. It's his first year, and they had a surprisingly good team last year that didn't get a ton of publicity. And now they got him and, and if he can bring his motivational skills which were wonderful at his last job yeah. to Minnesota maybe they could surprise people and win 10 games this year.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see if that'll stick. Uh, right. I think they'll Cuz it's I, a whole different level I, now. Right. And it's he worked the magic rowing the boat up, in, That's up right. in Western Michigan, but it'll be interesting to see that, you know, is it going to be a year or two or 10 years or something and is he using it as a stepping stone to somewhere else? We'll see. As a uh, bias towards the Illini, I'm I'm <laughs> hoping at least he can stay if he's not successful. Um, <laughs> you like Lovey? I, I I love Lovey. I think for what Illinois needs has just has been too much upheaval and inconsistency at U of I, and he brings a sense of uh, legitimacy and stability and doing things the right way. That it's not going to be pretty this year. Um, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's like forty freshman between red shirts and the new class. Right. How can you with what six seniors or something like yeah. that? You you can't be good. Really, basically. It would, that would be a surprise, but but I think, you know, you got to give them a few years and that's a problem in a lot of big time college athletics, right? You don't yeah. get a lot of time. And so we'll see. I'm hoping in basketball, I'm open. Illinois is the surprise. It'll be difficult with a couple of guys leaving, and they've got nine healthy guys in basketball. So I love we'll the see. coaching
1: hire in Illinois, yeah, though. Yeah, know Underwood's going to be great. I think
0: so. So um, um, when you did – oh, that was another question. With with your coaching show that you did, it was um, Step Into My Office. Oh, yeah. Um, who's the, fun, the coach that – You know, as a guy like, I want to take your answer then. I'm not going to even say it. I might guess that somebody that was actually surprisingly funny, they seemed so serious and so intense. That's probably most of the guys. Yeah, their
1: football coaches are an interesting breed. I mean, Brett Bielema was great. He showed up in shorts and flip flops while everybody else was kind of, you know, either school attire or was a suit of some sort. Um, and he has some he's happy to open up. Now he's at Arkansas, but he right. was very happy to open up then. The biggest surprise though to me was Urban Meyer, because he was pretty new to the league then. And the only thing I knew about him in terms of interviews was just that he was he was an intimidating yeah. and kind of a, a curt guy. And I found him to be wonderful. Huh. He gave really thoughtful answers. He gave, you know, it was one of those things where you ask him. He didn't just answer right away. He would look up for a second and go, you know, I think that, and he would, like, right. try to give you a good, thoughtful answer, which was more than you can ask for right. with most people. Um, and I feel like he might have a reputation of a of a hard ass or, like, a, a tough guy. But, like, I found him to be genuinely respectful. As long as you weren't wasting his time, he wasn't going to waste yours. And that was really great.
0: So you go in prepared and give good questions. You're going to get good stuff back. Exactly. Then. And is there? I guess here's the last question. Was It was a Mizzou guy. But has that made it easier to cover across the Big Ten? Because you don't quite have, you know, I mean, you got a little bit of an Illinois fandom of growing up. But has it made it easier then? Because there's not a bias towards one particular school?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I did learn quickly at SportsCenter. I mean, I would do Missouri Highlights and SportsCenter. I would do them with yeah. ESPNU. And like, you know, the, the way that I think John Anderson told me, because he's a Mizzou guy too, he's way more passionate than I am. And I'm a pretty passionate guy about my alma mater, was like, well, are you a professional? Because if you are, then don't show your bias on air. And it's just that easy. And it really is. Like, if you're good at your job and you know not, I can't alienate people by showing what I'm a fan of, then just don't. And you're fine with it. Um, and so it really it wasn't that hard for me to do. But the flip side is, it, you know, I can... If something needs to be addressed in a negative light, I can do it, and nobody has any legitimate. Oh, you're just saying that because yeah, you exactly. went to blah school. I don't have that, and there's there's no background of someone saying, "Well, you don't like Indiana because you went to Illinois." Like, right. nope, I didn't. I don't have any bias against any school. I, I want them all to do well because it makes my job better. But if they do poorly, I have no problem right, pointing because out. Because
0: I'm what sure happened. that the any of the basketball or football. um, analysts probably get a lot of that, not for a good reason, is that, oh, you whatever, you went, you know, Crispin, oh, you're just, you know, you're pushing for the Penn State guys, or Steve Bardo's pushing for the Illinois guys, on and on and on. Like, I listen a lot to Richard Deitch's SI sports media, and it's the good announcers, We'll tell you if half the people think you're calling in favor. Exactly. That's what's going to happen. The fans of one team are going to think you're always biased towards the other team. So just go do a good job. All right. Anything else? You know, do we didn't really talk about anything of any other activities that you're involved with or groups that you support? I like to put that out there. If there's anything that you know you've got causes or anything like that um, that we didn't get to talk about today.
1: You know, I don't have any great charity. I've done some stuff. Here and there with places we talked about the uh, coaches.
0: Positive Coaching Alliance. Positive
1: Coaching Alliance. I've done things for them in the past. That there's been nothing that's necessarily like grabbed me that it is my my thing to do. Um, but uh, I'm always looking. So if you got anything that that you love and it needs help, I'm I'm all on board. Uh oh. Everybody
0: listens to the end. They know they can bombard Mike with. Good. <laughs> with I I respond requests.
1: if if you're no, kind you, and nice on Twitter, I'll you, respond. So you, by all means, yeah, you do. Go ahead.
0: Anything else? Did I miss anything? Any other parting words of wisdom for everybody? I don't... I'm, I think I'm pretty good. We covered a lot. Yeah. This was good. You co- are you, co- you happy with this? Oh, God, no. Okay.
1: no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not this either. Was, this was horrible. <laughs> I hope you don't air this, but yeah. yeah. Well, nobody
0: will listen in. Anyway. I'm just glad
1: it's done, Chris. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mike Hall, thank you so much for joining us today on the Painless Podcast. You bet. Well, I hope you enjoyed my sit-down with Mike Hall. Great guy. Very grounded and uh, wish him nothing but success going forward, and I'm sure he'll have it. Uh, One more shout-out to the sponsor. Please check out Uncorked Bottles and Barrels, July 13th, Westfield Old Orchard, from 5 to 8 p.m. Sample some great whiskeys, wines, and delicious food. Proceeds, by the way, will benefit Greater Chicago Food Depository. It's going to be a fun time. I will see you there. Tickets and info www.westfieldoldorcharduncorked.eventbrite.com. All right, on the Painless Podcast, this is number 20. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, scroll back through the feed and check out some of the other 19 great guests I've had on. It's been a great ride so far and got a ton more great ones lined up. If you have great suggestions or some feedback or you want to sponsor the Painless Podcast, shoot us an email at painlesspod at network. All right, I got to get out of here. Until next time, it's Chris Hartwig saying stay connected, friends.